This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. And now, from the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Mind Your Business with the Wharton Small Business Development Center. Knowledge, advice, and insight into starting, building, and managing a small business. Here are your hosts, Lauren Feldman and Celeste Corrado. Welcome to Mind Your Business on Sirius XM's business radio powered by the Warden School. I'm Lauren Feldman. I'm chief content officer of a growing community of businesses called the Oxford Center for Entrepreneurs. And I'm here with my co-host, Celeste Corrado, director of the Warden Small Business Development Center. How are you doing, Celeste? I'm doing well, Lauren. How are you? I'm doing well. You survived last semester. I did. You're ready for the new year? I am. And as I mentioned, uh, probably every year around this time, uh, we have quite the lineup of clients ready to go with their, you know, wanting to know how to start a business. So we're raring to go. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about how you're affected by the uh, the government shutdown, what that means for the small business development centers and uh, and the work that you guys do. But why don't we uh, why don't we introduce our guest? Because I think he's been affected by it as yeah, well. Yeah, he'll have a, some um, things to say about it. We do have a special guest today, Ami Kassar, and his uh, business are based right here in Philadelphia. He's in the studio with us today. Ami um, he helps other businesses get financing. His business is called Multifunding. Uh, Ami's also the author of The Growth Dilemma, Determining Your Entrepreneurial Type to Find Your Financing Comfort Zone. Uh, basically, he just knows more about dealing with banks than, uh, than anybody I've ever met, especially from the perspective of a uh, business owner. So if you've got a question about financing your business or dealing with banks, uh, if you're tr- trying to figure out whether you qualify for a bank loan, if you're trying to figure out whether you qualify for an SBA loan or if the SBA is even in operation, uh, <laughs> give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. We're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Let me emphasize, as always, this is a safe space for business owners. If you're struggling with something, someone else listening to this show is probably struggling with it, too. So uh, no stupid questions. Call now, 1-844-942-7866. Ami, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you always. Always great to have you. Uh, well, let's start with uh, with what's going on right now. What does it mean? What does the government uh, shutdown mean for the SBA and uh, for your clients? Well, right now the SBA is shut down. So the SBA is one of the agencies that's affected and what that means is that if any borrowers who are currently in the process of getting a loan, even if they're working with a preferred lender, can't get that final stamp. So until the shutdown is over and resolved, all loans are, are shut down, which unfortunately can have a lot of unintended consequences. Besides the you know, good people at the SBA who aren't getting paid and who are at home, if borrowers are counting or are expecting on a loan to close shortly um, and they need the cash, they could be forced into some of these short-term online loans or other alternatives or bridge financing that is a lot more expensive and can be devastating to their businesses. We've talked to you a little bit in the past about your opinion of alternative lenders. We'll get back to that uh, later in the show. Um, but so, you know, I guess most of our listeners probably realize that you don't actually get the loan in most cases directly from the SBA. You deal with a bank. The SBA guarantees the loan. So a client of yours could theoretically have been minutes away from completing a loan and suddenly it's on hold with no idea when things will proceed. We have several dozen loans currently stuck in the queue. And we can't tell clients with any degree of accuracy or honesty uh, what day it's it's going to open up. But I do think, Lauren, it's just for the listeners out there, it's an important point for everyone to understand because often the SBA, when it is functioning and working, is misunderstood. So many times business owners and entrepreneurs walk into their local bank, whether it's a Wells Fargo or Bank of America or Chase or whatever, and they ask somebody on the other side of the desk if they're eligible for an SBA loan and that lender, that person tells them no. And then they automatically assume they're out. 
Why would someone give a, a definitive answer like that so quickly? It happens all the time. And what they really mean is that they're not qualified for that particular financial. If that person's giving them accurate information, that's a different story. But they're not qualified for that financial institution's SBA program. What you have to be very careful about is then people assume I'm not qualified for the SBA or whatever or any that, loan, yeah. any, or whatever that lender told them is gospel. And I encourage all the lender, the listeners out there, to realize there are over 2,200 SBA lenders around the country. Every one of them uses the program a little bit differently. Every one of them has their own credit box and credit criteria. And don't get discouraged if one lender tells you no. You have to go uh, knock on many doors. Now, if you've been told no 10 times, that might be a different story. Um, but don't assume just because – don't assume the SBA is the lender. That's the point. Every bank is the lender and every bank that uses the SBA program makes their own decisions. Celeste, how about at the Small Business Development Center? Do you have clients who have been affected oh, by the yeah. shutdown? Yeah, we, we have probably about 10% of our clients right now that um, are being impacted by this. And yeah, it's we need somebody like Ami to help us figure out, you know, what are some of the alternatives? Because there are. And you know, sometimes they don't they don't know that. And in fact, I would say nine times out of 10, most of our job is educating them on what the SBA loans are and, you know, what they're not and, you know, some alternative forms of finance. And they come in pretty much locked on, a, you know, and one one direction on how to obtain um, funds. And so, um, yeah, so they're impacted. And, and Tommy's point that we're actually seeing three levels of impact. Uh, we're seeing not just our clients, but yes, the, um, the people that work for the SBA are not getting their, their paychecks, but we are also, they're our, our major funder. So we are, um, we're imparting, you know, services uh, for to help these small businesses, and we're dependent on those loans too. So, on three different levels, I think we're all hoping that this will sort of come to a conclusion soon. And I think there are, you know, there are all these unintended consequences of the shutdown. Yes, right. And this is probably just a microcosm of it. Okay, it impacts our world, but uh, certainly, you know, the longer this drags on, it not only affects the employees of the SBA, but so many borrowers who are in process and don't know when their loans will come through. Yeah. Anything uh, go, in particular? Can, can you give us an example of one of your clients that is caught in a pinch right now? What, what kinds of alternatives are they looking at? Well, again, um, if you're not going to go to through the SBA, you, you really have um, a couple of other choices. Um, you, you might be able to get a conventional loan from your bank, but usually – the banks are not going to give you the benefit of, I mean, it's a classic example. If you borrow money, say you're going to borrow $350,000 from the SBA for working capital and growth and, and, and all those things. And the SBA will lend you that money over 10 years and you'll have, a, at today's interest rates, a monthly payment of about $4,300. If you were qualified for it and your bank was willing to do it and they gave you that term loan, they would never – not never. It's highly unlikely that they would ever lend that to you over 10 years. It most likely give it to you over five years. And then you're going to have a monthly payment of what the interest rate might be lower. You're going to have a monthly payment of sixty six or $6,700. So the big benefit that the SBA gives you is the benefit of the longer amortizations and the lower monthly payments. Where that gets more frightening is if you move to the online lenders. And most online lenders, if you're going to go to them, let's just say it's a hypothetical, but you go take $100,000 from the SBA, you have a monthly payment of about $1,150 a month for 10 years. If you take $100,000 from um, an online lender and you're going to pay them over six months, you're going to have a daily payment of about $1,000. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's dramatic. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what our clients are so focused on the near term and trying to get through the next day. They're not realizing what a this this has a longer term impact that could tank them. Yeah, you should be very very careful when you make borrowing decisions. My advice yeah. to everyone out there to think about it is, I joke about it um, in my book and in my talks. But 
if you're in a hurry and you go to McDonald's for lunch, you might have indigestion for a few hours, but then you'll get over it. Sorry, McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> uh, but if you're in a hurry and you get a loan, uh, you could have indigestion for a few years or ruin your business. I think in your book, The Growth Dilemma, you told gave an example of somebody who had a choice between an, an SBA loan over a period that would have to be paid back over a period of years um, at a very reasonable rate and um, a much shorter loan uh, at a much higher rate. And the person picked the alternative lender with the um, with a much higher rate just because it was a, a simpler uh, deal. And well, in that in that particular example, I believe it's the cleaning company in San Jose. And they were petrified of a lien on their house because it was a big SBA loan and that involved a lien on the house. And the, lend, the borrower said to me, hell of high water, no lien on my house. And at that time in the market, the only other alternative we could come up with him was a one-year loan at 36% interest instead of at the time a 10-year loan at 6% interest. And that's what – And he's bankrupt today. Oh, that's wow. right. Wow. Wow. Well, there's your lesson. Yep. Let's take a phone call. Uh, Tim in California, welcome to Mind Your Business. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Doing great, Good. Tim. What's on your mind? Um, I was just calling in to get some input for uh, AMIA on, uh, you know, tangible lending options for service-based businesses. They're looking for capital to grow. Uh, with, you know, they don't necessarily have fixed assets or equipment and looking at different options to secure funding for that type of a business. Great. So, I mean, what, what do you need to know in a situation like that? Tim, is your business profitable and cash flowing? Yes. Okay. And does your business have um, accounts receivable? Mm-hmm. Yes. And do you currently have any debt? A uh, very limited amount of debt. Okay. So a lot of it depends on what you want to do with the money. So uh, there's a big difference, uh, and I think it's really important for people to know and understand the difference between term debt and the difference between a line of credit, which is really meant for working capital or seasonality or emergencies or things like that. So, Tim, if your desire is to take money and invest it for hiring people to grow or salespeople or infrastructure or things like that, um, I would strongly encourage you to use the term debt. And I would strongly encourage you to use the SBA, particularly if $350,000 or less will get you a long way. What type of business is it, Tim? Um, we have an investigation and background screening business. And w- what do you want to use the money for? Exactly what Ami's talking about, really just um, hiring of human capital, um, funding receivables for larger projects, and um, really just recruiting. Have you been out in the market at all? Have you looked uh, around to see what's available? Uh, yeah, I have. Okay. So um, how much money do you think you w- would help you to make a big difference? About 200000 Okay. So, Tim, if you, assuming you're qualified for it based on your financials, um, if you went to this SBA program, you would have a monthly payment of about $2,300 for 10 years. So what you have to think about is, let's say you hire all these people and you did all these things, and in the worst-case scenario, every choice you made for how you were investing was a disaster. You would, um, you would be paying $2,300 a month for 10 years for that mistake which I, I, you, may, you may well be able to afford. And if things work great, what would happen then? And then you have to compare and contrast the, 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 those choices. But the SBA, yeah, that's a good way to put it. SBA, in my opinion, is a, strongly, is, a strong, is a strong way to do it. So the worst case, <clears throat> people often, when faced with a choice, I'm not going to ask you to share your revenue numbers online, Tim, but you can ask, <laughs> but Tim doesn't have to answer. Okay, but um, you know, two hundred thousand dollars for most small businesses feels like a daunting amount, and often they're afraid to make the investments they need to make to take their business to the next level because that seems like an overwhelming number to to come across. And so many businesses land up managing their businesses like their household budget, and they don't do it. In contrast. Yeah. Um, you, if you use leverage in a positive way and you have specific steps or things you want to invest in next to take your business to the next level and you think about it in that way and you think about adding leverage to your balance sheet to make those investments, it can be a very positive thing. 
Ami, is this the kind of uh, example like the one you were referring to before where Tim might have to uh, expect to use his uh, his house as collateral? Actually, with the SBA, there are a few banks around the country that if your loan amount is $350,000 or less, they won't require a first lien on all your company assets and they won't take a lien on your house. For $350,001 and more, they will take a lien on your house and require a first lien on all assets. And you can get one of these loans assuming you keep doing well every six months. Tim, is that something you would be willing to do? Yeah, no, definitely would. Uh, th- again, the, the risk on that is 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 not based on that kind of term and the payment is something that's, again, it's, again, what Ami says, it sounds like a lot of money and a big thing, but it's exactly what a small business needs to actually fuel that growth and make the investments that are required. So it's, it's a pretty low risk when you think about it. Because most banks that are going to do a line of credit are going to require the same thing, and it's going to be short-term and probably at similar rates. We, we recently, Tim, and maybe this will give you some pause to even think about if you need as much as $200,000. So in recently working with a website developing firm in Atlanta that has about a million dollars of revenue and the owner is able to take home about $100,000 a year salary and his business is breaking even. So he feels sort of stuck in his ability to grow and expand. And if you ask him his goal, his goal is to double. He has plenty of capacity on his team, but his, his issue is sales. And to really... Um, to, to really get his business to the, ne- to the next level, to double it, and to really use his capacity well, he probably needs to hire six salespeople and at a base of about 50 grand a year, which feels like a completely uh, daunting and overwhelming number. So many business owners just get stuck in, in that. What's interesting is uh, with some new software that we're partnering up and developing for planning and forecasting, if you actually... You say you take his six hires as salespeople and you assume that a third of them aren't going to work out and some will perform well and some perform great and poorly and you look at their impact and the cash flow and this and that. Well, at the surface of the case study, you might think to hire six people, you need about $300,000. Actually, when you really dig into the cash flow, uh, his cash hole, like three or four months in, will be about sixty or $65,000. Wow. So... He could um, maybe say he wanted to borrow a hundred to give himself some cushion. He, for a monthly payment of about eleven fifty a month, he has a very good chance of doubling his business. Tim, uh, we've had a really strong economy for, for some time now. I'm, I'm guessing you probably had strong growth last year, and that's part of your thinking in, in wanting the loan. But there are some red flags about the economy out there now. Uh, are you at all concerned about that as you uh, approach applying for a? a uh, you know, a, a sizable loan? Um, yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of indicators out there that suggest that there's going to be a little bit of a a dip in economic conditions. Um, but from our perspective, our investigative business is really tied to the legal industry, and legal industry is a pretty um, different aspects of it are, are not recession-proof, but tend to not dip as much. Um, we made it through the prior um, dip in 08 or whatever, 09, um, so I feel like we're in a good position there. Um, and on the background screening side, um, a lot of the larger players in the industry actually grew and took market share in the last downturn um, as well. Um, and with increased compliance around healthcare, IT, finance, um, there's a lot of companies that can't afford not to do background screening. So we see it as an opportunity to actually to kind of grow, continue to grow, and take advantage of potential opportunities out there to acquire or bring on people that they can't make it through. So, I mean, not that I'm hoping for a downturn, but I, I feel like we're in a good position to um, to succeed. And also the first people to go in those economic downturns typically are the top folks at those big companies, right? They're going to cut them first. So those people that were making, let's just say, $150,000, $200,000 a year, I might be able to get them on my team to do sales for 100000 because um, of that situation. So I kind of see it as an opportunity um, as more more so than it is a threat, um, and having cash is is crucial during those times, whether it's to weather the storm or to continue to grow. But that's my kind of view of it. I know that um, very opportunistic view, but uh, that sounds like a nice been, place been to be. <laughs> 
we'll see, right? <laughs> Ami, you said uh, before um, that you envisioned a certain type of loan uh, for Tim, assuming that he would qualify for the loan. And obviously, we're not going to ask Tim to walk through um, all of his numbers. But could you give us a, a quick sense? How would a business owner like Tim assess uh, whether they qualify for this the kind of SBA loan you were talking about? What questions should they be asking themselves? It's pretty simple. Is Tim making money and is he, does he have positive cash? doesn't matter how much. Just, well, it, that'll matter proportionally to how much the loan you, you, you can get. But are you making money? Do you have positive cash flow and do you have good credit? If you don't have, a, if you're not showing a profit, there's no you're chance. Not, you're, there are other loans you might be able to get. You might be able to get, in other words, if Tim called hypothetically and he wasn't showing a profit. We would then look at his accounts receivable, which is his asset, and we would consider a loan against his accounts receivable, which would be more expensive. Um, so there are often plan Bs. But if you are making money cash flowing, I, I strongly think about the tenure. The other thing that I think is important for business owners to consider now is that there are a lot of warning signs of about an impending recession. Let's hope they're wrong, but um, let's assume they're not. There are things that business owners can do to get ready for a recession. Um, the one is whoever doesn't have a line of credit should. And I like to see line of credits either at about 10% of top line sales or 85% of AR and 50% of inventory, whichever is greater. A line of insurance is line of credit. I don't care if you never touch it or you never use it, but it's like an insurance policy. The other um, Thing that's important in getting ready for a recession is there are many businesses out there, especially with this plethora of online lenders, who've accumulated a lot of sh short-term debt that's amortizing anywhere from six months to one year to 18 months, and it's eating their cash flow. Any opportunity to prepare for in a recession, cash it king. Any, prop, any opportunity to prepare now and re-amortize your debt and lower your monthly payments you will be better prepared to weather the pending storm. Well, it sounds like Tim doesn't have to worry about that too much. <laughs> uh, hey, Tim, thank you so much for calling in. Really appreciate your uh, walking through your situation with us. No problem. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. Thanks. Do you have a question about your business? Are you struggling with uh, financing some aspect of it? If you're trying to figure out whether you qualify for a bank loan, uh, if, uh, if you're not sure uh, if you've been turned down by one bank and you're wondering whether it's worth going to another, uh, give us a call. Tell us about your experience. This is a very rare opportunity to talk to somebody uh, who's really there uh, every day. Uh, Ami Kassar goes around the country meeting with uh, business owners uh, on an amazingly frequent <laughs> basis. Um, it's, we're really lucky to have him in Philadelphia this week. I'm not even sure why he's here, <laughs> um, but we'll take him. Uh, if you have a question, give us a call. We're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's one 844 Nine four two seven eight six six. You know, I want to just revisit some of the things that you mentioned and the advice you had given to Tim, um, because I think um, you probably do it so often that unpacking it for a regular sort of small business owners who doesn't know might be a good thing to do. So for the um, one of the things that you had said that not that our audience may not have caught was um, you had sort of already in your head. Uh, laid out a worst case scenario with its cash flow and a best case scenario. And so I'm not sure. So we get a lot of business owners who don't even know what a cash flow is and, and to do that. So um, how many of your clients do you sort of have to educate on the financials? Because that that's really at the root of this is getting educated and knowing what you're you're getting into. Yeah, I, I think that's a very important point. And um Let's take a step back yeah. first and think about the importance of clean books and clean financials. Yeah. So, um, and I'll tell it through a story. Um, I sat next to an entrepreneur in a uh, coffee shop the other day. We we're ordering a quick lunch at the bar or at the diner or whatever. <laughs> well, let's go with the bar. <laughs> the bar. Uh, <laughs> I like that too. And um, I asked him his story because my family would tell me I talk to strangers all the time. And he told me he had got the best loan he could and he had accumulated um, one of these short-term loans and this and that and the other. 
and he had gone to an online portal that I won't mention by name, but that assures you the best price guarantee. But for a loan, for a loan, with the caveat that they only use twenty online lenders. So I don't know how you can offer a best price guarantee if you <laughs> use twenty out of thousands of lenders. But that's <laughs> here nor there. And uh, he was paying. Um, he had a based on what he described to me. He had um, about um, he was paying about forty two percent interest, and he had loan balances of about three hundred and thirty thousand dollars. But he had a million dollars of accounts receivable. So even if he wasn't profitable, he should trip. He should, in theory, be able to have a line of about a million dollars, and he should be paying ten to twelve percent interest, not forty two percent interest. And I said, "You're getting screwed." <laughs> yes. And I was quite irate, and I. No wonder he was at the bar. (laughs) I wrote a sort of an angry post on LinkedIn that night about what I consider to be the evilness of online lenders. (laughs) And then any online lenders out there listening, we'd love to hear from you. Happy to have this debate right here and now. But then we started asking for his financials and asking for his financials and asking for his financials. And his bookkeeping was is, in fact, six months old. So he is like a basketball player running around the court playing a game of basketball without his shoelaces tied. And I'm not going to say he deserves 42% money because that's kind of a bold statement, but that's what he gets. He's a walking risk. For <laughs> not not having his financials mm-hmm. in, in order. So I do. How do you explain that? I mean, I mean, you know, Celeste's question is a great question. I run into it more often than I would expect as well. You you hear people saying things like, I'm not really a numbers person, but we'll find one to help you. Exactly. And they are out there. You can find them. Um, And we're here to explain you. The the fact that. that so many business owners do not take these seemingly fundamental steps. I, I wish I had a good explanation for it. Um, but um, you, you shouldn't be able to get a bank loan if your financials are such a mess. Okay, you, yeah. should, you shouldn't. Now, maybe you could argue it's sad that these online lenders are there offering them a sort of quote-unquote help, which in fact could be a lot more damage than, than help. But if your bookkeeping and your accounting are not in order, if you cannot hit a button and see what's going on on your financials and understand it, you're in trouble. And that concept, don't think about expanding or growing your business or adding people or resources or doing this or that if you don't know how to read the alphabet yet. And reading the alphabet is doesn't have to be a big investment. And that's a – sometimes you see cases where the, um, the bookkeeping and the numbers are just out of – they don't exist or they're out of sync or they're months old. And other times you see cases where it's all there, but the business owner for the life of them doesn't understand them. Let's take a quick break. Uh, I mean, maybe when we come back, we can talk a little bit about uh, you, you talked about the evils of the alternative lenders. Um, there are, I'm guessing, some situations for some businesses where it actually does make sense. Maybe over the next couple of minutes, you can think of an example of um, where where someone is uh, doing the right thing by by moving in that direction. Uh, we'll be right back for more with Ami Kassar and my co-host Celeste Carrado and your calls. Our producer Michelle Stucker is standing by. If you have a question or a comment or want to share an experience, call us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You're listening to Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman. My co-host is Celeste Carrado, and this is Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM. 132. You're listening to Mind Your Business with the Wharton Small Business Development Center. Here again, Lauren Feldman and Celeste Carrado. Hello, welcome back to Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman. I'm here with Celeste Carrado, Director of the Wharton Small Business Development Center. And we're speaking with Ami Kassar of Multifunding, which helps business owners secure financing. He's also the author of a book that helps business owners understand their options. It's called The Growth Dilemma, Determining Your Entrepreneurial Type to Find Your Financing Comfort Zone. And we're taking your calls at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 
1-800-878-6666. A couple of quick thoughts. Uh, Celeste, I know you, you, we were talking a moment ago about uh, business owners who uh, are numbers challenged. You yeah. had a thought about that. Yes. Um, if you are numbers challenged and you're a business owner, get to your local SBDC. This is what we're supposed to be doing is training you up on how to read those numbers, how to put them together, and how to understand them and how to run your business. So no excuse for not knowing. Um, call your local SBDC office. Excellent. And uh, Ami, we were talking a little bit about the alternative lenders. I'd love to have uh, somebody who's taken a loan from one of the online alternative lenders call in and talk about their experience. Uh, if someone does call in, Ami, w- w- what questions would you ask? What I'd love to, we'd love to hear from anyone out there who's taken a online loan, whether it's a merchant cash advance or a loan that takes daily payments over six months or a year. Or let's hear your stories and how it's worked for you and what you use the money for. And if you feel that you've got stuck in a trap that's hard to get out of, and let's talk about some solutions that might help you. Right now, let's take a call from Will in Florida. Welcome to Mind Your Business, Will. Hey, well, good afternoon, all. I hope your day is going well so far. I'm a first-time listener, first-time caller. I'm just happy to turn uh, tune in. You always talk about funding for a business. So just Thanks for calling in. No, not a problem. Thank you. Um, so I am a social entrepreneur in Florida that uh, works with um, homeless services. So we currently have about a couple of properties sprinkled throughout Hillsborough County. So in essence, what we are running into right now is um, working capital that we need, not only for staffing, renovation, but um, other necessities that may come up. So what I wanted to figure out is what funding options would be available to us, um, seeing that we are a registered 501c3, but we do have that for-profit leg to be able to acquire funding for these next 60 days. Because there is public dollars that's going to be coming to us to help us pay off this loan, but it's just getting started that we're having challenges. Have you been out looking for a loan already, or are you just uh, embarking no, on that? We, we've been out um, for the past four months looking for a loan, um, but there are not a lot of lenders that want to work with us because of us being that 501c3. Yeah, well, are you? What, how do you describe your for-profit arm? Is that a separate for-profit company that you have, or... Is that... yeah, it's a separate. Sorry. Okay, and it is, it is a separate for-profit arm. And are your contracts uh, with with the government entities with that for-profit arm? No, it's with the nonprofit. Yeah, so it's very tricky for um, for lenders to lend to nonprofits, particularly to small or emerging ones. However, if you were able to take your contracts that you derive revenue from and put them through your for-profit entity. And you have, you are waiting to get paid for services that you have completed. Uh, you could do something called factoring there, which is where the lender will give you an advance on the monies that you um, are waiting to get paid by the government. So, if I were you, I would look at <clears throat> if there's a way to put those contracts with the government entities into your for-profit instead of your non-profit, and that might make all the difference in the world to you. Okay. What do you think, Will? Is that something you could do? Yeah, that's definitely something that we can look into. Um, Just the only piece that um, may uh, present a challenge is um, just switching the payee from the nonprofit to the um, for-profit. But again, this is avenues that we could definitely see what works. I'll give a call back maybe sometime next week and let you know how it works. Best of luck with that, and uh, let's see if there's anything we can do do to help. Good luck, Will. Thank you for your phone call. If, uh, if you have a question about your business and its attempts to get financing, please call us. We're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Let's talk to Brian in Virginia. Brian, welcome to Mind Your Business. Um, yes, you just mentioned the SPDC, I believe, and I'm not familiar with that acronym. I'm calling from Virginia and would love to have some more information. I'll hang up and listen. Uh, uh, thanks for your call, Brian. You called the right place. Yes, you Celeste. did. <laughs> Tell us what SBDC stands for. It's a small business development center, and they're located in every state. Um, there's 18, for, in, for, for example, in Pennsylvania, and we're funded by the SBA, which is a federal entity. And uh, the grants actually go towards our mission, which is to start, grow, and sustain 
um, businesses in our region. So I think I saw you flashed up on the screen, and I think you were in the Virginia area. That's right. And so um, definitely look up um, your region, and you will find a small business development center there. In fact, you could reach out to me too, and I'll try to find out who that would be, that contact would be. And you know, at very low cost to no cost to the business owners is what we're designed to do, and that's what the grants sort of help us be able to do. Um, so. Please reach out if you're having any of those issues, and we cover the whole gamut of uh, small business topics, everything from financing to um, marketing to um, operations, um, all the issues that you would face as a small business owner. So please reach out, and thank you for your question. If you want to reach out directly to Celeste Bryan, uh, she's Celeste Corrado, and she's director of the Wharton Small Business Development Center. You can find her uh, online, and I'm sure she'd be very helpful. Celeste, is there any problem for you guys right now with the government shutdown? Are all these centers operating around the country right now, despite the funding from the SBA? Yeah, we get state funds, too. So, yeah, we're we're basically rolling from the state funds right now, and um, we're just – and we're used to a delay in our funding, so. So um, to Ami's point, you have to actually look ahead on cash flow and, you know, and manage the fact that this may happen each time. So, so Brian should call soon. Yes. Actually, I would recommend calling soon. <laughs> uh, Ami, let's uh, let's talk about your business a little bit. How, when did you find uh, multifunding? It's hard to imagine, but we're just turned nine. That's amazing. Wow. Uh, I remember those early days. Yeah, so do I. I bet you do. <laughs> uh, have you ever borrowed money? Um, I have. Uh, I started my business uh, I uh, just over nine years ago. I was. I used to work for the largest issuer of credit cards to small businesses in, in the United States, and I tell this story in the book. And uh, I got fired by the bankruptcy trustees on a Friday. We completely decimated in the Great Recession. And on the way home, I stopped at the bank and deposited a check for my full home equity line of credit, which had been sitting in my drawer for seven years. And I then went home and told my wife what I did and started multifunding on Saturday. Wow. That's an amazing story. <laughs> and you started it with your own capital? Correct. Wow. Uh, and how long did you get to a point where you were able to borrow money from a bank? Actually, um, I depleted all my borrowing resources as we were building it and developing it. and Like most entrepreneurs? Like most entrepreneurs mm-hmm. do. And um, I found an angel investor who uh, is a friend and a mentor and who's uh, patiently uh, working with me as we build and, and grow the, the, the business. So I always say to business owners and entrepreneurs, when you're at the point where you need capital, first of all, take a breath and slow down. But don't assume that it's equity or debt that is the right answer for you. Often, many times, people fall for what I call the shark tank myth, which is they just assume that they need the equity, and they often assume they need more money than they do. I, my investor uh, invested money in dribs and drabs as we needed it, as we built and expanded and figured out how to grow and scale the business. But that that's a very... Um, it's a very atypical approach. Um, most investors, if they come in, uh, they want big, fast growth and multiple rounds and higher valuations and higher valuations. We've never had more than one round in in, in multifunding, and now we have a cash flowing business. Um, so, but uh, not without a lot of blood, sweat, tears, <laughs> and uh, fearful nights and checks runs to the bank on Saturday to see if a check arrived. Yeah. Did you ever borrow money from an alternative lender? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, I asked you before, what's the situation where it does make sense to turn to an alternative lender? Look, there's always more than one way to skin the cat. Okay. It doesn't make sense to, to turn to an alternative lender if you need money for payroll in a week or in a few days and um, you're feeling desperate and emotional and you just do it because it's easier or it doesn't make sense in my opinion to turn to an alternative lender um, when you have a um, um, 
just because you don't want to go through the hassle and aggravation of applying for a regular bank loan. It can make sense, and this is what the alternative lenders claim, if you have an opportunity to buy inventory on Friday for $50,000 and you know and you have a guaranteed contract where you can sell that inventory a week later for $100,000. And the only way you're going to do that is if you access expensive capital. And so let's say if the financing even cost you $20,000, if you're still guaranteed that you're going to have $30,000 more in the bank at the end of next week than you would without the alternative capital, then it makes sense and it's worth it. The issue is that's the, the use case that many of these alternative lenders like to talk about and encourage and talk to regulators about. The problem is it's probably used less than one out of 100 every time that these loans are taken. Really? Right. And you know that from the experience of your clients? From the experience of our clients. So someone calls into our office and they are interested in the short-term online loan. Um, our scripts are, do you want to put your business on crack cooking? <laughs> because that's what it is. Risky. You, yeah. you literally ask that question. Yes. Yeah. And w what kind of answers do you get? <clears throat> we More often than not, they we scare them away. Now, it doesn't mean that they don't hang up and call somebody else and do it. Uh, but that's the reality of these loans. There's recently a big piece in Bloomberg about these lenders and uh, summary judgments that they're taking uh, against borrowers and they wipe out bank accounts and do all kinds of crazy, crazy things. Because what happens is you do it once and then the cash flow pressure is getting intense. So you do it again and then you do it again and you do it again. And before you know it, you're in serious trouble. Yeah, I'm actually really relieved to hear you be that blunt with your clients. Um, you know, we're in the business of sustaining businesses, not, you know, having them, you know, ruin themselves. So I think it's great that you're honest with them and, you know, whatever you have to do to get them to wake up. Taking a loan is getting a loan is not supposed to be easy and quick. Mm -hmm. Sorry, it's it's not. And even if you get a credit card, which is an easy and quick process, it still takes like 10 days for that credit card to arrive in the mail. Okay. Of course, I, I don't want to give the wrong impression. It's not like the alternative lenders are all evil and the big banks are all, you know, Correct. pure and good. Uh, in fact, the lines blurred a lot. A lot of the big banks are invested in some of the alternative lenders and you don't always know for sure who you're dealing with. It's a big mushy mush pot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and with the big banks, obviously, you, you, you have other things to worry about. I mean, when you, if you look at their commercials, it sounds like they all want to be, you know, the friend of, uh, of the small business owner. Um, I sometimes suspect from talking to uh, people who've been turned down for loans that what the big banks really want is the deposits of small businesses Correct. and not necessarily to actually go through – go to the trouble of making – uh, loans to them that are not as profitable for those banks as uh, lending to a, a big business. And maybe maybe this is just a, a, a point or a suggestion for the listeners out there. For all the listeners out there, if you run or own a business, and what I would suggest you to do is just, it's the beginning of 2019, take a minute and think, what is your goal for this year? Where do you want your business to be at the end of this year compared to last year? And what's holding you back from doing that? So what investments do you think you need to make in order to get your business to the next level? And um, then why aren't you doing them? And what uh, might you do to invest in them? And let's talk about um, different ways to, to, to finance that. If you've got an answer to that question, give us a call. We're at one 844 Wharton. That's 1 844 942 7866. You've only got a few minutes left for this rare opportunity to talk to somebody who could really point you in the right direction, uh, depending on your situation and your, your financing needs. Um, related to the question you just asked, I mean, I know uh, you talk a lot about this in the book. You like to ask business owners uh, what I think you call the million dollar question. Right. T tell us about that. So, um, again, for the listeners out there, take a minute and think about it. If I um, presented each of you today with a gift of a million dollars and you cannot use the money to go buy a fancy car or a house in the shore or a house in Hawaii or something, and you had to use the money either to invest in your business or a mutual fund of your choice or something of that you don't control, what would you do with the money and how would you divide the chips? 
most business owners tell us they would put most, if not all, the money in their business, and they would expect quite a handsome return from that investment because most entrepreneurs believe in themselves more than they believe in other people. And if you think, oh, my God, if I had that million dollars, I would go and invest in a piece of new equipment or five new salespeople or a new building or I'd get I'd make an acquisition or something like that. And if you have a, an idea of what you would do with that money and you think you can make a healthy return much higher than 8% a year on that investment, my next question for you is why aren't you using leverage to do that in a positive way? Lauren, do you, I asked a question for you guys. Do you guys know how many of the Fortune 500 companies have no debt? None? Actually, five, um, mm. including Facebook, if you can believe it or not. Wow. But it's, it's not many. So most of the, the, the vast majority of companies that have grown and expanded have used debt. They've used debt responsibly. <coughs> so uh, many business owners get stuck with, I call it the no debt badge of honor, or they feel like they took that risk early on and they got through those horrible early days and they've kind of gotten to a stage and they never want to do that again. Well, that's fine if you're satisfied with where your business is, but if you want to grow it and expand it, you often that's the path you need to take. There, there are other alternatives uh, such as, you know, relying on your own cash flow, accounts receivable. There, there are ways to finance a business, even, you know, a small business getting started without uh, taking on debt. Do, do you see debt as a last resort? It doesn't have to be a last resort. So, again, let's take the example of I told you guys, the, the, everyone's story a little bit ago about the web development firm with a million dollars of revenue and breaking even and making about $100,000 a year. He's kind of stuck. Okay. Um, next year, if he does nothing, uh, maybe he'll be a million fifty or a million twenty-five, or maybe he'll be nine fifty or something like that. And he'll be making about a hundred thousand dollars a year. If he's happy with that, that's great. But if he wants to push his business to, to the next level, for him, he really, in his case, he really needs to hire salespeople and a bunch of them. The thought of even hiring one salespeople at, without taking on debt is daunting because where's that going to He doesn't really have much spare cash flow. However, if he hired six, which taking into account all kinds of things would double his business in a year, um, he would need to borrow $70,000 to do that. And if he did it from the SBA, he'd have a monthly payment of about $850 a month. So... His one path is keep on doing what he's doing. His other path is take the risk for an $850 a month payment, which he can handle if everything goes to pot, and try to scale up. Interesting. And so that's what you have to think about. What's holding you back from getting your business next to your next level? Why aren't you doing it? And what are the financing choices other than managing your business like your household budget? to consider for that. How do you answer the million-dollar question? What would you do with a million dollars? Honestly, I'm, I'm the antithesis of most entrepreneurs um, because I, I depleted so much of my family's savings and resources in building up multifunding, and we're just coming around the corner. Um, I'd put a lot of it in the mutual fund. <laughs> I, I would. Um, there's not much that I would want to do that we're not doing today anyway at multi-funding without cash flow resources. But getting to that point uh, took a lot of sweat and blood. You could have used the million dollars uh, a couple of years yeah. ago, I'm guessing. Yeah, I could have. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> no, we, we see that a lot. I mean, the business owners come in and, and they, they want, they don't know when to let go and get to that next level. They they keep holding on to what they know. And there is, there is a, a big sort of, barrier they have to we we watch them cross all the time or we help them cross these are big and emotional decisions mm -hmm. and um and it's not just the spreadsheets it's also what's in your your gut and your gut can be leading you a good way or a, a bad way um, many people over the years told me to give up at multi-funding but i never did really yeah okay, okay. <laughs> 
You know, we only have a couple minutes left. There's one area we haven't hit that I'd like to, which is commercial real estate. Um, you know, I, I think often businesses do really well to buy their real estate instead mm-hmm. of leasing. And I know the SBA has a great loan package available if you're buying uh, real estate. Is that something that you encourage uh, your clients to look at? Uh, many times it makes sense to to buy the real estate. And when you're buying the real estate, uh, the SBA, and it's for your, it's not for investment purposes, but you're going to occupy at least 51% of it for your business. The SBA 504 program, which is exclusively for equipment and real estate, is really a good idea. And you can go up to $12.8 million on that, that loan program or actually double it if it's a green project. The big thing about commercial real estate, and we've been saying this for quite some time, is um, I think we have another pending crisis in our country that a lot of people are going to wake up uh, over the next months or years and open up their bank statement and realize that their five-year fixed or their three-year fixed or their seven-year fixed on their commercial real estate has ended, and suddenly their mortgage payments are substantially higher than they were before. Um, this is a very good time to consider uh, locking in, uh, checking in on your commercial real estate uh, loans. And if they're due to expire in the next year, two or three, uh, look at, and you can use SBA 504 to refinance, look at locking, even if it's going to cost you a little bit more now, look at locking in long-term fixed rates. Is the commercial real estate thing something that comes up at the uh, Small Business Development Center, Celeste? Very rarely, yeah. 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 But now I know who to go to. <laughs> to get advice. I think more people should talk about it. I know a few yes. uh, entrepreneurs who've retired uh, based more on the value of their real estate than on the value of the business oh, that, that they built. There are many cases where, if you look at the numbers, it's just there's it absolutely makes sense to buy it. And they're ter- tax, if you can, if you can, and their tax advantages. And the nice thing about the five hundred four is it requires ten percent down. Ami Kassar, thank you so much yes, for joining us once again. You. My pleasure. Always happy to be with you. Really appreciate it. You can learn more about Ami at multifunding.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at A Kassar. That's K A M I Kassar. I changed it. You're, oh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> at A M I K A S S A R. We've run out of time, but we're here live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Our thanks to Dion Simpkins, our audio engineer, and Michelle Stucker, our producer. If you want to know more about Celeste, just Google the Wharton Small Business Development Center. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter, at L Feldman, or check out the Oxford Center Morning Report, a daily newsletter with must-reads for entrepreneurs. You can find it by Googling the Oxford Morning Report. Until next time, I'm Lauren Feldman. And I'm Celeste Corrado. And this has been Mind Your Business on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.